You know, as that song comes from the book of Revelation, because it was the joy that the Lord had done in creating us. And sometimes we forget the simplicity of that creation. Um, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, and this is on the sixth day, God says, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, the livestock and the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over the land, livestock and all of the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image and the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. I think this is pretty important to the Lord this verse because if you notice in Genesis it says three times in one verse God created mankind in his image he created them male and female he created them I think God is trying to give us a hint that God created us that we were made in his image that we reflect God and it doesn't have to do with intelligence. It doesn't have to do with your political spectrum. It doesn't have to do with your education. It doesn't have to do with your ethnicity. It doesn't have to do with anything the way you look. Because when God looks at us, he says, that's me. They reflect me. We were made in his image and we are, are to represent him. And how do we represent him? By ruling over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, the livestock. We're supposed to do what he asks us to do. And so we were made in his image. So many times we get caught up in thinking of ourselves less than who we really are. Sometimes we get caught up in thinking that we can't do what God has asked us to do. We can't be what God has asked us to be. We can't have what God has promised for us. And yet that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in one verse, three times, I created them, I created them, I created them. We have lost the beauty of serving the creator. We have lost the beauty of knowing that God is our creator. He is our father who not just went through and made this beautiful place and all of the things that he put in, in this earth for us, but he made us and he takes a verse, he takes a moment and wants to emphasize it and emphasize it and emphasize it again that we were made in the image of God, that male and female, he created them. This is a pretty awesome thing when you think about it because the devil is always trying to destroy us. You know, Jesus told us that he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He has come to destroy. Think about that word, destroy. Our youngest daughter, Lily, she used to have a name that the boys would give her. It was called Lozilla. 
Because they would set up all their Legos and they would put all their pieces together and here she would come as this one and a half year old and just destroy everything. They called her Lozilla. I don't know why I mentioned that, but I did. <laughs> we're going to move on. Okay, he created that. That we were made in his image. Hey, I'm sorry, my brain just got lost for a second. Maybe I just want to play with Legos or something. What was I talking about? Oh, destroy. Yes, the devil. Thank you for paying attention. The devil wants to destroy us. There is nothing good about that. You know, if you break the Legos, you know, they would cry and complain because Lily would destroy. It wasn't really destroyed. It was just disassembled. And all you had to do was just put them back together. It might take some time and some effort. But the Bible says that he wants to steal. Think about the very concept of stealing. That the devil wants to take from you what is rightfully yours. And what is the most important thing that he could take from us? I was just reading this last week in, in, uh, in Genesis about how uh, Jacob and Esau were there and Esau's off hunting and Jacob's there and he's making some beef soup, you know, and he's just, you know, mm, the lentils smell delicious and it's good. And all, Esau comes back and he's famished and he's starving and he looks at Jacob and said, hey, give me some soup. And Jacob says, well, why don't you sell me your birthright first? What good is the birthright if I'm going to die fine, take it, it's yours. And he gives them his birthright. He gives them the right to be the firstborn. Esau didn't care. He just wanted to take it. And Jacob took it from him. He took it from him. And Esau made a bad decision. But he was hungry. He was going to die. He wanted food. And then, and then finally, um, um, Isaac is about ready to... Um, to pass on and he wants to bless Esau. You know, he wants to bless the man because he was firstborn and Jacob was mama's boy. And so he wanted to bless Esau. So he told Esau, listen, I want you to go out in the field. I want you to go get some animal, cook it the way I like it, bring it. I'm going to give you a blessing. And so Esau goes off and, and does this. And this time, the conversation's overheard and Jacob, by, the, the, uh, by his mom, says, hey, Hey, I want you to um, I want you to do this. Just go and get an animal for me. I'm going to cook it up for your father, and you're going to pretend to be Esau. And, and Jacob's like, you know, Mom, I, I can't. I'm not hairy like him. I'm not hairy like him. Don't worry about that. I'll do it. I'll help you out. And so she puts some goat skin on him, puts his clothes on him, cooks a stew, and then he, he goes into it, and he says, Hi, this is Esau, and uh, I'm here to get my blessing. And, and Isaac didn't believe it, and so he feels his arms and they were hairy because they were covered with goat and and uh, he says come kiss me and he, when he leans over he smells Jacob's um, clothes that he was wearing it was Esau's clothes that he was wearing on Jacob and he says ah my son Esau you stink you know this is you and so he blesses him he blesses him and um, and that's it and and even though Esau gave up his birthright it was the blessing that Jacob stole he took it from Esau. And the devil wants to take from us what is rightfully ours. That we are the children of God. And what is the one thing that he can take from us? And that is the status of who we are. Sometimes you don't have to take from people in order for them to make it believe that they're defeated. 
It's, 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 let me explain this. It's kind of like, a, like an environment of a team. There's sometimes there are teams that, that will go out there and they will play and they got all the talent on the bench, they got all the talent on the floor, but yet they don't believe they're winners because at some point, at some time, another team defeated them and they never believed they could beat them. And so they have this concept, this mentality that I'm not a winner. How many of us go through life not realizing that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, and we don't walk as children of the kingdom. We don't walk as children of the king. It is amazing for me to, to, to see so many people allow their status to be stolen from them. One time I was a little nervous about something that, um, a payment that was coming up. And this was when we first bought our house, you know, and the reality of when that mortgage payment comes around, um, it, it just kind of strikes you for a moment. And, you know, we, we took a step of faith and we got this house and, okay, God, what are we going to do? You know, we want to, we want to, you know, make sure that we can take care of this home. And so I just, all this anxiety was going through my head when the first mortgage payment was coming up. And, and the Lord told me, the Lord told me that I will take care of it if you trust me. And, and yet I just kept thinking it, thinking it, thinking it. And so finally he says, Pete, no one can take from you what I have given you. They can't take your calling. They can't take your anointing. They can't take everything that I blessed you with. No one can take that from you. And he just was reminding me that he was my provider. He was my, he was my God. He was my Lord, my King, my friend. And all of a sudden, I started to act differently. Why? Because I started to believe that I was being taken care of by my father. The devil wants to steal. He wants to kill. There is nothing good about this. There is nothing good about someone who wants to kill you. It's kind of like if you're trying to negotiate with someone who really hates you. They don't want anything but to destroy you, but to kill you, but to hurt you. The devil is not up for negotiation. He's not going to look the other way. And when you start to live as a child of the king, I guarantee you, he is going to bring all hell against you. Because that is who he is. He is a destroyer, a killer, a thief. A thief. This is why I believe Jesus in John chapter 8, if you have your Bible, I just want to look at this verse here because... Even this morning as I was getting ready, I just had to look this up again because I just wanted to, to see Jesus and what he was saying. John chapter 8, verse 42. And Jesus is talking to the crowds there and they're claiming they're children of Abraham. And Jesus said this in verse 42, If God were your father, you would have loved me. For I have come here from God. I've not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Just look at this for a second. Jesus is telling people, you cannot hear me. You cannot understand me. He is saying very plainly to him that he is from God. 
and yet they couldn't hear him. How many times does God speak to us, but we're not really listening? How many times do we speak to someone and we're not really paying attention? And Jesus has said, my language is not, is not clear to you because you are not able to hear what I say. And look at verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Once again, Jesus said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Everything that comes from the devil is a lie, and everything he speaks, there is absolutely no truth in it. When you hear those voices saying that you are not worthy, there is no truth in it. When you hear that voice that says you are not forgiven, there is no truth in it. When you hear that voice that says God will fail you, God won't do it, God will abandon you, there is absolutely no truth in it. Because he cannot contain truth. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the ultimate standard of truth. And you cannot have Jesus and Satan as co-equal or co-partners in your life. Either you follow the truth or you don't. Either you hold on to the truth or you don't. You just have to make up your mind. You have to make up your decision and say, who am I going to follow? Am I going to follow a murderer? Am I going to follow someone who can't even speak the truth? And Jesus says that when he lies, he speaks his native language. The native language of the devil, the native language of the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy you is lies. Lies. We belong to the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we live in truth. In the kingdom of God, we live in peace. In the kingdom of God, we live in joy and righteousness. But in the kingdom of the enemy, it is nothing but lies. Why do you think so many people fall for this idea that going to hell would be a cool thing? You know, they glorify it in movies. I'll see you in hell. No, you won't. I ain't going there. It's not a cool place. It's not like they're going to go party and, and hey, this is going to be a great. It's a place that Jesus said there is suffering 24 hours a day. It is a place of torment and despair. And the worst part about it is the eternal separation from God. When it comes to hell, Jesus gives this picture of Lazarus and the rich man. And Lazarus was this poor guy and he didn't really have anything and the rich man had everything he needed and they both died. Lazarus went to paradise. Lazarus went to the part where he was in a good place and Abraham was there. And in this torment, this rich man was suffering and he sees Abraham. He sees Abraham and he says, hey, go tell Lazarus to go warn, to come and dip his finger in, in water and, and put it on my tongue. 
Would you tell him to come here? And Abraham says, look, there is no, there's no way we can do that. There's this gap between us. It is eternally separated. There is no getting from there to there. It is a done deal. I can't do that. And then the rich man says, hey, will you go and have him tell my brothers and warn them not to be like me because this is not a good place? And Abraham says, look, they have Moses and the prophets. If they don't listen to them, they're going to listen to anyone. Even if they raise from the dead, they won't listen to them. Jesus was telling this parable, but He's, he's revealing some very interesting things. And this is why I believe that hell, the separation from God, is going to be the worst reminder of eternity. Because it was, it was the rich man who remembered Lazarus. It was the rich man who remembered his brothers. And think about how for eternity there are going to be people burning and suffering in hell, remembering I should have listened to them. I should have remember I should have listened to my mom. I should have went to church and found Jesus. I should have obeyed. I shouldn't have done those things. I wish I could go back and change, but they are going to suffer for eternity. That's why I think the memories are going to be the hardest part about hell. Yes, there will be pain and there will be suffering and it will not be a pleasant thing, but they will remember that they could have had eternal life with Jesus if they would have just listened to the one who spoke truth, listened to the one who loved them, who died for them. Jesus said that when he speaks, he speaks his native language, that everything he says is a lie. When we allow fear to run our life, we are listening to a lie. Because the Bible tells us that those who are righteous will lay down in peace. That those who are righteous will not be, have fear of being destroyed over quickly. Proverbs teaches us over and over again that if you are righteous, that he will be there. Isaiah tells us that if we have perfect peace in him because he steadies our mind and we trust him. The Bible tells us that we can seek him and we will find him. And yet we listen to the liar that tells us that God will fail or that God won't hear us or that God doesn't love us, or that God won't do it. I am thoroughly convinced one of the greatest tools that Satan has is his native language. The lie. The lie. We were watching America's Funniest Home Videos one time and and you know they were showing this little kid and he's got chocolate all over his face you know and this young mom is filming him and says junior were you eating chocolate no and you know chocolate's all over his face and diapers hanging off his butt and oh you can't say it in church my bad <laughs> the diapers coming off and uh and you know, Junior, were you, no, you, you sure you weren't eating? No, no, you, you positive? No, no, me, no, no cookie, no. Okay. And I, I just, it, it burns me inside. 
Because I'm thinking, why are you letting this kid learn how to lie at such a young age? Now, I know that I'm getting to that point where I'm becoming the old fuddy-duddy. You know, I'm, I'm that guy who sits on the lawn saying, hey, kids, get off. I know that. But why allow our kids to learn how to lie? That is not the native language that we want our children to be learning. But we do it as adults, too. We do it as adults. And when we do it, we're not speaking the language of our God. We're speaking the language of someone who is the father of lies. And maybe that's why God says there are a few things that I hate. And one of them is lying. Because it's not him. Now, what does this tell us about our God, though? What does this tell us about our father? That he is not a man that he should lie. That he's not like us. He does not lie. And that everything he speaks will happen and everything he promises will be fulfilled. He is different. He is amazing. And so when I read these words that says that he will never leave me or forsake me, that we can ask anything in his name and it will be done, that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, that I have the right to be his child, that is the truth that we need to listen to and we need to hold on to and we need to believe and we need to live like that. We need to tell people the beautiful language of our God and that is the truth. That is the truth. A few weeks ago, we talked about the kingdom and how our kingdom is opposed to the devil's kingdom. We need to be people who fight for our kingdom. And we don't fight against our neighbors. We don't fight against people on the other side of the political aisle. Our fight is with, not with flesh and blood, but it is with the kingdom of darkness. And the good thing is we have the victory. We have the victory in Jesus. Jesus said that you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. See, I don't think people who, listen, I don't think you have to be demon possessed to follow the desires of Satan. I don't think you have to be demon-possessed in order to, to actually call him your father because you're going to follow somebody. You know, that's like we always, we always tell our kids, you know, be careful with what you watch and be careful with what you read and what you see and what you hear. You know, those little songs, be careful little eyes, what you see. Those things were right. Why? Because you're feeding your soul. You're feeding your soul. And, and, and you listen, I'm the first one, you know, when... Living on a prayer comes on the radio. I'm the first one to start stomping my foot, you know, the little 80s songs there. Matter of fact, we were doing a playlist for school one time for the volleyball team, and, and I was putting together this, you know, little playlist for the 80s. Man, I was having some good times. I was, yeah, remember this song? Woo, this is great. But then after I was done with it, I was like, okay, that's good. I'm done. I'm done. Why? Because I don't want it to feed my soul. You say, well, there's nothing wrong with those music. There's nothing wrong with the movies. There's nothing wrong with the entertainment. You're going to feed your soul something. And if it's not good things, if it's not pleasurable things, it's not things that are pure and righteous, you're going to feed your stuff, your soul with things that are going to lead you somewhere. 
It's going to lead you somewhere. And that's why we must protect our spirits. We must get into the word of God and let the truth feed our soul. We must listen to things that are uplifting and inspiring and pointing us to God. You see, we, we can listen to people and they may say the right words. They may be uh, a good person, but if they're not born again, believing, seeking God, they may be steering you away from God. I was listening to this guy on, on YouTube and, and I was listening to him and it was interesting and all of his, his theories and all of his education. And then I found something out. He's an atheist. I started looking at this guy. I said, well, who is this guy? He's an atheist. He literally does not believe in God. And so do you think that anything that he is trying to teach is going to point me to God? Why do you think our sciences and, and, and those who believe in the Big Bang and evolution, they're not pointing us to God. They're pointing us away from God. They're not trying to tell us about how God is a good creator. They're, they're leading us farther from the creator. Matter of fact, I was watching just a few weeks ago an episode of Nova, The Age of the Stars. And man, this was, this was getting good because it was talking about how, you know, we came from this big bang 14 billion years ago and 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 then then something happened and 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 then all of a sudden it blew up and and next thing you know we got dogs running around and we got trees and and you know and it's just it's it's so pretty to look at all the the cgi it's just it's a beautiful thing to look at you know and uh, but it was just it's, it's all based on a lie and but they finally at the end said the truth they finally at the end said the truth that we were created by the stars and the sun is the creator. Wow, that makes me want to dig into my Bible and woo, praise God. Thank you, Lord. I'm from a star, you know, the one that's probably the farthest, but I'm from a star. Thank you, Lord. No, it leads us away from God. But see, I don't think the people on Nova, they may not be Satan-possessed or demon-possessed. They may not be, you know, going to uh, a satanic temple and offering sacrifices to the devil. But they're speaking his language. They're speaking his language. They're following his desire. And that is to lead people away from the creator, away from the truth, and to follow a lie. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Jesus tells them, listen, I'm telling you the truth, and you don't believe me. You don't believe me. And he also says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. And the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are now a part 
of the kingdom of God. We are part of the family of God. We are his sons and his daughters. And the reason why we believe this thing called the Bible, the reason why we're willing to live a life completely opposite of the way this world wants us to live is because we believe in the one who has spoken the truth. And because we believe in God, we have heard him and we have responded by the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we try to resist the Holy Spirit. I know that my father for years resisted the Holy Spirit. And then one day, one afternoon, the Holy Spirit says, it's time. I want you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And without anyone preaching to him, without anyone being there to lead him, he wasn't watching some TV show of some preacher. He was simply just sitting there and the Spirit of God began to speak to him. And he says, I want to be a part of this family. I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit will speak to people and draw them into the kingdom of God. And we need to also tell them that there is a God who loves them, a God who who will not lie to them, a God who will save them and change them. Because I believe that too many people are listening to the wrong voice and they do not hear God because they're caught up in this world and they're caught up in their sin and they're caught up in their life and they completely miss the one who wants to save them who wants to love them, who wants to forgive them. And that's what our job is as people. I believe this. I believe that there is a great revival coming. Why? Because I believe that my Jesus is coming back soon. I believe that he is coming to take the church and we're going to have a glorious time. We're going to be up there at the marriage supper of the lamb and we're going to be served calorie-free pot roast. It's going to be calorie-free blueberry pie. It's going to be awesome and we're going to sit there and we're going to be with Jesus. We're going to be high-fiving. There's going to be a sign up on my wall that says Detroit Lions won Super Bowl champions. It's going to be perfect. But why not tell people about it before we go? Our job is to tell the truth. Our job is to tell people that there is a God who is truth. And they don't have to listen to the liar. They don't have to listen to the liar. They don't have to listen to that little voice that says, you only live once. You better live it up. They don't have to listen to that liar that says, there's no hope you might as well end your life. They don't have to listen to the liar who says that God will never forgive you. Look at you. You should be ashamed of yourself. They don't have to listen to the one who speaks with no truth inside of him. Let's help people hear God. Let's help people know God. That is our job as a church. That is my job, not just as a pastor, but as a Christian who loves people I want them to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is our job. This is what we must do. And when we leave this place, I pray that you would pray to God. Say, God, give me opportunities just to tell the truth about who you are. And here's the great thing. You don't have to be the perfect evangelist. You don't have to know how to lead people to Jesus. All you have to do is obey what the Spirit of God is telling you to do because it is the Holy Spirit that will call them. It's the Holy Spirit that will wake up their life. It's the Holy Spirit that will speak truth to them and then they would respond. So let's be people of the King. Let's be people who speak the truth in Jesus' name.